0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our next encounter. We are on January 8th today. This is lesson number six in the winter quarter, and we are talking about Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 an example and And a warning. warning. An example and a warning. This is going to be a good lesson today. I am Reverend Rebecca Zardi. I'm the Director of Ministry of Women for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and my name
1: is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministry Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And we are excited that you're here and that y'all are using the encounter. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm getting closer, actually. I do still want to remind people that coming up of the summer, this coming summer, Mm -hmm. so the quarter starting in June, uh, we're having a study on the Confession of Faith. And so I'm really excited to offer that. And I hope that your church uh, will continue to participate. But also, if you know people in other churches that aren't using the encounter and and you know that uh, a big... Conversation in our denomination is, is denominational resources about yes. the encounter, or about the Confession of Faith. And yep. so this will be it. So I just wanted to remind everybody again.
0: So remember to to share these videos with others, invite other people, talk to your other local churches, find out what they're using for their Sunday school material, and, and see if we can bring them in so that we can study together. That would be great.
1: Also coming up is the Youth Evangelism Conference yes. in February. So make sure that uh, if you don't have that information, you can uh, email nwheeler at cumberland.org. Also, um, TJ Malinowski, so I think it's T. tmelinowski. At cumberland.org. At cumberland.org. No W. No. M-A-L-O-N. Look it up. (laughs) You'll find it. All right. TJ Malinowski. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Look look him up. So great opportunities for um, events coming up. So let's begin with our prayer for illumination today. It says, give us courage, O God, when we need to face the hard truth and the wisdom to know that the truth is what we are looking at. Amen.
1: That's a good one.
0: That is a good one. And our memory verse today is Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. It says, even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire.
1: Yes. Woo. Yeah.
0: That one's a hot this one. This is for,
1: yeah, this is for all the people who think that we're we're too easy on sin. <laughs> <laughs> ah. It
0: is lying at the root of the trees. Yeah. Mm. So let's begin with our discussion question today. It says, how do you think John the Baptist would be received in our modern culture today? Mm, How would he be received in the church? Are there still prophets in the world today? What do you think?
1: Um. Yeah. So I've thought about this, and if you've been in the local ministry long enough, you probably received a phone call from somebody that claims to be like the apostle or the prophet. Somebody. Oh, sure. And then as soon as they get you on the phone, they tell you how bad your church is or how terrible things are because you don't preach the Bible and you, you you're easy on the Old Testament. I don't. Did you ever get that? In-
0: I, I did not. Thankfully, okay. thankfully didn't. Maybe I was. That's because I was mean.
1: I've gotten letters. <laughs> you like, I'll, I'll receive a letter where somebody, you know. Anyway. Um. And, and I've always kind of discounted those people, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't want to listen to that. Um, and then I have in here that we had somebody that wrote in to the oh, encounter yeah. that, like, we don't use enough Old Testament. We're not hard on this or that. But the funny thing was, is like the previous, it had all been Old Testament. The whole summer was an Old Testament thing. And so, anyway... It's just people, or people who, in the grocery store, there's a lady in Paducah mm. that sings hymns as she's shopping. Oh, really? Fairly loudly. And I'm always like, that's weird. And I know the lady. I, I talk to her and all that jazz. But it's like, you know, that's weird. But then I think, John the Baptist was weird.
0: Well, that's true.
1: And then the prophets were weird. Yes. There was not a single one of them. You're like, oh, let's invite them over to dinner. No. And so it's they always giving me. They were strange ducks. Yeah. And, and they have a tendency to offend both the, the people the church would like to see offended, but then they also def- offend the church. Yeah. And so um, so anyway, I think he would be probably received the exact same way that he was received.
0: <laughs> Not well.
1: Yeah, some people would love him. <laughs> sure. And some people would Because wouldn't. he
0: would be different and outside of the community social structure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And are there still prophets in the world today? I have to believe there are. Sure. And they're the people that I think are strange. But they influence me. And and you gotta be careful on that. And there's a lot of strange ducks. That's true. A lot of strange ideas in the world. You have
0: to be discerning. Pray for discernment from God. And yeah. we'll
1: talk a little bit about why John the Baptist, I would I mean most people, mm. the people who adhered to John the Baptist why they did. Sure. So anyway, but that's my answer. What about you? No,
0: I, I agree. I think I mean you have to remember that he ate weird food and he wore weird clothes and he looked kind of raggedy and strange. And so I don't think as far as modern culture today, we would probably do the same thing. We'd probably ostracize him and say, okay, he's just some kind of renegade rebel outside of normal society structure. Um, I don't think he would be received well in the church. I think he would be again, just kind of pushed to the margins. But yeah, I agree with you. I have to believe that there are still prophets today. That there are still people that that have that direct link that God has given them words to say. But again, um, I say that with a grain of salt because you do have to be very careful because there's just just like in in Old Testament, New Testament scripture times, there were a lot of people that claimed to be prophets that said that they heard from God that didn't. Yeah. And so today, I, I think we probably have the same thing. We have some that do and then some that really don't. So you have to, you have to be careful.
1: That's all I got on that.
0: Okay. So you really get into, we're talking about John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, and how he, he chose to be different and separate from the culture. So you point out that when we listen to other people, um, even those who preach with religious fervor, that we need to keep an open mind.
1: Yeah, it goes back. I, I forgot when somebody criticizes you, you. Yeah. What What is it that's true? What's sure. What's a valid critique? What's crazy, mm-hmm. and what's hurtful? Mm-hmm. Right, and so I think you'd have to do that with John the Baptist as well. Um, Absolutely. But, um, you know, just because somebody's a little fringe doesn't mean they're wrong. No. So.
0: Yeah. And that's on everything. And if we hadn't listened, if they hadn't listened to John the Baptist, how many people would have missed the coming Messiah and how many people did miss the coming Messiah. So where are we at today? Yeah. Good question. So let's explore this scripture today. So, Matthew's intended audience, again, we have to remember who the gospel was written for. The intended audience of Matthew was the Jewish people.
1: Yes.
0: So he doesn't give any account of John the Baptist's birth, um, but he just kind of comes into the scene, you say, like Elijah did.
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, for instance, Luke kind of has an explanation of who John is. Matthew's like, we don't need that. He's good. But. He just, <laughs> Yeah. Here's John the Baptist Like I said, I put on here on just like Elijah. Like, Elijah has a backstory, but you didn't know it. First Kings, he just pops in and says, hey, don't rain. And everybody's like, what is this? Right. (laughs) It's really the same force by which uh, John the Baptist um, comes on the scene. Really, the only thing, if you were just to read the book of Matthew and you didn't get the book of Luke, the only thing that you could possibly know of uh, John the Baptist was from Malachi. Okay, sure. Uh, At the end where the promises, um, Malachi 4, 5, and 6, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord's coming. Um, uh-huh. And he will turn the hearts of his parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will strike the land with total destruction. Cheery.
0: Very um, happy moment.
1: <laughs> and so that's that begins then the period of what we call the silent, you know, the silent period yeah. or, or whatnot. 400
0: years, wasn't that, s- between Malachi and Matthew.
1: And John, well, John, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, Matthew so far is the written part, but then John pops up and for some reason... That's one of the questions why I ask here. Like, why is it that all of a sudden John the Baptist was the one they're like, sure. oh, God's now speaking again sure. among us. And so um, that's an interesting question. But John was was very powerful. And again, sometimes we sometimes we Christians can read back into things, maybe some popularities or some different things. But you can tell John had a very big following Absolutely. Uh, in his own right. And, and like I quoted Josephus in here who said, you know, maybe the real reason as to why John the Baptist got his head cut off was, yes, he challenged the king, but also the king was worried he was gathering such a following and such influence sure. that this could be a problem. Yeah. So uh, that's that part. Okay.
0: So we have we have John the Baptist now uh, who had this huge following, um, and he claimed to be this prophet, which he was. We know he was. Um, but his his message was faithful through, you say, to the Old Testament prophets, that he was faithful in his service to God and that he was chosen by God. So how, how does that, I mean, kind of recap for us what it means to be a prophet.
1: Prophet. Prophet. A prophet preaches, a prophet uh, rebukes, a prophet ordains, a prophet predicts, a prophet heals, a prophet evangelizes and a prophet teaches. That's the fullest explanation of what a uh, prophet is. And I think I've done this in an encounter before, but the acronym prophet that you can predict, ordain, rebuke, uh, preach. Anyway, yeah. goes off okay. I did it on oh, the spot. You though.
0: did? That was amazing. learned that, that in awesome. Bible college
1: 20 years ago. <laughs>
0: Uh, and, and John the Baptist did all of that.
1: He did all that. And then, like I said, I think the, the important thing is, is that the first thing you know about a prophet is, are they faithful to the mm-hmm. to the text, right? So sure. at least in a Protestant setting, historically, we've said Scripture alone. This is the rule of our faith and practice. Mm-hmm. So if a prophet comes up and starts preaching something other than what's in Scripture, we say, Mm. Not real sure that you're on board here because a prophet isn't just somebody who speaks the future. The prophet really is the thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so if all of a sudden somebody jumps on the scene and they say thus saith the Lord and the Lord never said that in Scripture. Right. You start to think about it a little bit.
0: Right. Absolutely. Which is where that discernment comes in, especially when we talk about people that claim to be modern day prophets. You know, if that's not, if it does not line up with Scripture not, it's not there. It's not happening.
1: Yeah. And then the second part would be that, that you know, there was evidence that God chose um, John. Mm-hmm. And John just didn't look around and say, here's an opportunity. Sure. Uh, you could just tell by his he didn't care. Right. John had no cares about what anybody thought of him. No. Had no cares about know. whether somebody was happy or not. John was, um, I don't know what would the word, he he was caught up with passion yeah, for God. For God. And so that's, that's something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that leads into our discussion question where you say, how do we know we are chosen by God for a specific ministry? And what happens when we try to take on a ministry that we're not called to?
1: Yeah. Wow. And this is important, not just for preachers. Yeah. Because preachers struggle and they do their thing, but people in the pews, what is it? The 80, 20 rule, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, yep. but then 20% get burnt out. And it might be because they're doing jobs that aren't really their.
0: That aren't theirs.
1: And so somebody else needs to step up. Yep. Um, So when I would answer that question, how do I know I'm chosen by God? It's got to be more... I've said this before, and I've heard Christians say this. Well, if I don't do it, nobody else is. Mm. That's not a good enough reason. That's not a good reason. And I can give you some biblical um, examples on that. Um, But sometimes you have... you, You can look around. It's not like you're trying to, like you know solve this jigsaw puzzle like some of it is the situation is before you you feel drawn to it and you have the ability right sure i think that's important yeah there's some things people do and they're just terrible at it but yeah. nobody else is doing it well you shouldn't do yes. it either yeah that's
0: not a good reason <laughs> because
1: now. you'll get burned out that's how you know if you're not really supposed to be in that ministry right now yes. or, or you're doing it wrong but mostly you'll just get burned out and cynical about doing god's work and if you do that
0: then there's no joy. There's
1: no joy. I, I mean, mean and, I and that. where,
0: no. Yeah. Serving God should be a joyful aspect. So I, I would agree with that. I think there there's a specific calling. It's not, it's not just a, I want to do this, yeah. or I think I would be great at this. There, there is a, a pull. I, I don't know how to describe that. If you've never felt that calling from God, there's a, there's a pull inside of you that just, it's kind of, was it Elijah that said, you know, I have to preach God's Jeremiah. words, Jeremiah,
1: I think it was Jeremiah. fire shut up in the fire,
0: shut up in his bones. Yep. There, there's something internal when you're called by God that just pulls you to follow that ministry, whatever that happens to be. So that's, that's one, how do you know you're chosen? But I would agree that if you're not called to it. It's not going to pan out. Uh, you're going to burn out, and it's just—it's just, it's just going to not. Hmm. It's going to be a miserable time. So the you're stat is
1: like within five years, mm-hmm. what sixty-something percent of ministers drop out of the ministry altogether. Yeah, and sometimes we like to blame that on churches because they're hard. Well, yeah. So is so is being a like trash picker-upper. So well, that's is being true. a restaurant manager. But sometimes people think they're called to ministry, and it's. Mm, Maybe not. Maybe honestly. not. Yeah. Right.
0: Yep, exactly. So.
1: Um,
0: so then our next question is what can the church learn from John the Baptist and how we do ministry? Mm. You go first. Be be joyous.
1: Be joyous? Be well, he wasn't really joyous.
0: Well, he but he was ze- there was a joy in his zealousness, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what I was looking for. He was very zealous for God's word. I mean, he it was been
1: joyful. We don't have his diary. That's true. Yeah. I don't
0: know. But he was truthful no matter what the consequences, I think.
1: Honest. Honest. And he didn't have an agenda. Didn't have an ideology. No.
0: Nope. Um it was just all about God.
1: Yeah. And and we'll get on some of that. I think the church can learn from that because we get caught up in or like there's no way. Conservative or liberal churches either or cannot tell me that their that politics do not shape a lot of their meeting mm. or their their agendas. And I sure. wish it weren't true, but I don't know how you, it's, it's a walk between like, like John the Baptist. He had this sense in which he was, he was away, secluded, but he would pop out and challenge Sure. at the same time. Um, and I think maybe that's what the church does. We're secluded in the sense of we're worshipers. We're not trying to convince one another. And then every once in a while you step out and have to say, yeah. Hey, this is wrong. Or, Hey, why don't you come in and join us? Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. Yep. Absolutely. That's what I got.
0: So let's dig a little bit deeper here. Dig deeper. So if you've been with us in the encounter, you know that we've we've used this phrase "Day of the Lord" repeatedly, and in the prophecy, um, Malachi predicts the return of Elijah. The Day of the Lord is described as great and dreadful. Right. Is John the Baptist preaching?
1: John the Baptist is preaching that. Uh, Was
0: that great and dreadful day?
1: He w- yeah, well, so he's saying it's at hand. Yeah. So, like when when John the Baptist says the kingdom of heaven isn't near, this is what comes to mind: yes. is the day of the Lord, or the king? When they say the kingdom of heaven is near, it's the day of the Lord, it's the day of judgment, or it's the day of salvation. Yeah. Um, and so, and John the Baptist sets up the book of Matthew at this point. Pretty much when John the Baptist says this, the "kingdom of heavens near," the axe is at the root of the tree. Make your choice. This is, and so then, this actually, if you read all seventeen of these verses in a little bit it's like a thesis statement. Everything that John preaches in this passage mm-hmm. is then developed by Christ through the parables, through other teachings, right. through the, the situations. But this is it, you kind of get it. You yeah. kind of get the rest of the book right here.
0: Right, so his job was then to raise that awareness that the kingdom is here. Yeah. And it's, and it's coming, you know, you can't see it, but it's it's coming.
1: That's the other thing, that that's good. This is something I learned about prophecy, I guess, or prophets. Uh, during my time on the encounter editing, is because I've had to do a lot of study. And what prophets do is, is hold out what we can't see. Uh-huh. Again, I put in here, if John the Baptist said the kingdom of heaven, if somebody today, if your preacher on Sunday stands up and says the kingdom of God is near, you're like, have you been outside? I mean, have you come outside the church at all? Have you seen how crazy it is? wars in Ukraine or we politically, we families are fighting families. Well the yeah. kingdom of God's not here, but a prophet sees that God has said it is. Yes. And then we bring forth those messages and we don't care about the circumstances. We know what God has said is true. Right.
0: Right. So absolutely. That's and that's, that was a big thing that John did. You say that as a prophet, John testified to the one that was greater than himself would come.
1: And here among us. Like yeah. It's easier and he's
0: coming on this way. So this, so John's preaching, you say, prepared the minds of the people and that he expanded the idea of kingdom of having to be larger than simply being an ancestor of Abraham. That was really important.
1: It is important because, yeah. the again, the Jews were saying we're children of Abraham, and yep. this is where, um, I mean, Jesus picks up on this later in Matthew uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, but he says, look, these stones, we could make children of mm-hmm. Abraham out of these yep. stones. That's not what's going to get you there. It's like that old, uh, just because you, you like what is it? uh going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than parking your Yeah, parking your
0: car. Yeah, park your car par- or sitting in a garage makes you a car. Right. Yeah. That nice yeah. kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot more to just just the genealogy. It's it's yeah. actually being a part of, of this family. Um you say in other words the kingdom is greater than genealogy or geography because it's it's about the whole cosmos. The whole cosmos, everything. Um So the king will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, and he will judge people separating the wheat from the chaff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so. That's
0: another fiery one.
1: So this is what I learned while I studied the book of Matthew this time, and I've never noticed it. But the book of Matthew is so confrontational, and Jesus calls for a choice, and the characters call for a choice. Are you going to be with me or against me? And that's an uncomfortable thing in our culture. We don't like this with or against. Uh, and I had that in my mind while I was reading some of the parables or while I was reading the teachings. But time and time again, Jesus says, there's this way or there's this way. Yeah. You pick. Right. Yep. There, there was an exclusive, exclusive uh, exclusivity uh, portrayed by Jesus in the book of Matthew that I had not noticed before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Matthew does and do what you
1: want that. with that. But we'll we'll go through it.
0: But. Yeah. So there's a great reflection question here that I think you shouldn't really talk to your students about or your congregation about, um, but we're gonna hit the discussion question. It says, these are turbulent times we live in, to say the least. How can you be a prophet to your communities, raising awareness of the kingdom of God? Be as specific as possible. What gets in the way of us seeing the kingdom of God today? Mm.
1: That last question, it's I think right now is politics. Sure. Politics and ideologies. Yep. More so than they used to. And because I guess of social media, you're able to you're able to find your tribe. Yep,
0: yeah. and we're just we're so much more polarized. Yeah, and, you know? and
1: stay polarized. Yeah. And then there's, um, you know, back in like back in the olden days, like the Spanish Inquisition, where you could you could get tried <laughs> if you believe this, or you know, back in the first parts of the Protestant Reformation, you know, you don't the Trinity, you don't believe in that. Let's catch you on fire. We don't go that far. No, but thank goodness. Put, but you're putting a doghouse, and socially, you're you can be scrubbed. Yeah. If you're not in line, and so there's a sense in which um, different groups are reinforcing sort certain things, and so that carries over into the church. Sure. Um, and I've seen it. I mean, even with my kids, like we have polar opposite views on a lot of things, mm-hmm. and they just I'm the old church preacher, as if you know that means that I can't think critically of sure. And so, but I think that's what we do. I think even in spite of, we know our scripture, we study it. And then we proclaim the values of the kingdom of God. Right. And we invite people to it.
0: So is that how we then be prophets to our communities? I think so. Yeah. It's...
1: I think what you did, Reverend Becky is a whole lot more extrovert than I am. She had a, you know, a a block party welcoming people. There was no necessarily... um,
0: no, no agenda. agenda. No, no agenda. But you
1: you open yourself up and say this is community, mm-hmm. not hiding in your house and thinking that your next door neighbor's a meth dealer or something. Right. right? I mean, right. like you explore each other and yeah, uh,
0: and get to know one another. I mean, it was it was a great opportunity. Um, if you've been following along, you know that last July my husband and I moved to a new community and and so we opened our home and. Uh, ourselves up to our our new neighborhoods to invite everybody over to just, just to meet everyone and say, Hey, you know, I'm your new neighbor. How are you? And, and really just kind of get to know one another. Part of that was our adult daughter lives with us and she is very much an introvert. And I knew several of the neighbors were right around her age. So it was, it was nice for her to meet the rest of the community. But um, yeah, I think that's another great way to be a prophet to your community. Just, Presence. Presence, practicing that um, ministry of presence as my, my uh, supervisor likes to tell me all the time. Ministry of presence is important of just being available and aware of, of those around you and allowing them to participate in your life and not putting up walls and blocking everybody off. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So let's learn from the scripture today. You okay. said that John serves as both an example and a warning for us in the church. How so?
1: Uh, because we are supposed to not conform to the patterns of the world. Sir. Sure. Right? So that's the example. Um, but then the warning is, is that we're also supposed to call out and be a prophet, calling the world out of its pattern and into the kingdom of God. And so I have in here Confession of Faith 5.09. The church in the world never exists for herself alone, but to glorify God and work for the reconciliation through Christ, or work for reconciliation through Christ. Christ claims the church and gives her the word and sacraments in order to bring God's grace and judgment to persons. And so, um, that's the notice we bring both grace and judgment. Yeah. Um, because people don't seek grace unless they've, unless they've sinned or feel convicted that they need, uh, forgiveness. But the thing is, um, that has consequences. John the Baptist was beheaded, right? He wasn't accepted in normal societies. Um, and, you know, it's weird because right now in our society, we have, like, the church that's battling within the church, and then we have the church battling society. And so, and, but that's how John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was was uh, calling out the religious folks of the day, calling out the church, and he was also calling out the, the secular institutions as well. So he didn't have a home. Um, and so, but I think it's an example in a warning was, to us. Yeah, he I was know. caught
0: in between. But you say its harshest critics were were the Jews themselves. That's what I say. Were his, you know, were the people that he was a part of.
1: You brood of vipers, mm-hmm. you know, who, for, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Right. Type things. I mean, he was tough on, on religious folks. Right. And he was tough. John was tough on, on everybody. So.
0: But that was, I mean, I think that was. Mm, sometimes we need those people in our lives. And I hate to say that, but sometimes we need those people in our lives who will tell us the hard truth, whether we like it or not. And that's what John the Baptist was doing. Yeah. he was he was bringing the hard truth, the the harsh reality to the Jewish culture, to the the Pharisees that were coming to see him. He was like, "Look, yeah. you're messing up, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, um. Yeah, I won't go any more on that. I'm I'm good with what we got there.
0: You want to hit the discussion question on that section, or is there something else you want to talk about?
1: Um, no, just again, he he all he ends his his stuff with there. There's a separation coming, like there's division in the world. Yep. And then there's going to be separation, and that separation will happen naturally, um, as like the Pharisees reject Jesus, yep. and people go follow Jesus. It'll happen naturally in your life. Like I said, if your heart and mind are transformed, you're going to naturally go somewhere and and other people are going to go other. But for John, he also understood the king would be actively uh, the wheat from the chaff. I mean, he's going to also be the one or the sheep and the goats in Matthew or Mm -hmm. those who build their house on the sand or on the rock. I mean, it just continually everywhere in this book. God is actively also dividing dividing yeah absolutely i didn't come to bring peace but a sword anyway yeah yeah
0: no absolutely really get into matthew you realize how much there's always there's always a choice there's Mm -hmm. always a path but there's also consequences to that choice whatever whatever path you choose so does the message of john the baptist have warnings for christians in the church today
1: i I think we've answered
0: it i hope so I mean, it does in the sense that we've talked about that. So what does John the Baptist mean when he says Christ will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire? Yeah. What does it mean? That's a great question. It is. (laughs) I think the Holy, well, obviously Jesus brought the Holy Spirit to us. I mean, with his ascension, the Holy Spirit was able to come and that's what we're baptized with today. We have the Holy Spirit residing within us.
1: Yeah. I think the only so the Holy Spirit. I don't know. This is. It's not like we're gonna solve this one because this has been a question. What does it mean, Holy Spirit and fire? I mean, Holy Spirit, the strength of of Christ, and and, you know that power which rose Christ from the dead now resides in us. And then fire is still a purifying purifying element. Yeah. I mean, like, yes, it gives warmth, it gives light, but ultimately you use fire. Well, I guess that might be the main reason why you use fire. But if you're gold or silver or whatever, you got to heat these things up. Or if you're trying to get rid of
0: the impurities, yeah,
1: you got to purify. So I think by Holy Spirit, it's, it goes back to that warning for the church. Like you, you receive power from on high and you're, you're cleansed, but you're also being purified at the same time. And I think that's important. And
0: it can be uncomfortable,
1: should be a little bit Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, probably.
0: Yeah. And that's okay because Mm -hmm. when you come out the other side, you're going to be better for it. So you say John the Baptist was different. He wore weird clothes, ate weird food, and he was not worried about being liked by people at all. At all, which was, I think, I think honestly, it's one one of those things that I find endearing about John the Baptist was the fact that he stood for what he believed in, regardless of what it. Mattered to anybody else, it didn't matter to him. That his his total aim, you say, was just glorifying God and Jesus Christ, mm. and that Christ also tells us to be in the world, but we're not of the world. So, how is it that we're like John the Baptist? How how is it that how
1: are we supposed to be? So yeah. we we've, we've talked about this plenty of times. Uh, I think about you know my my Amish or mm. Mennonite brothers who who come out of the world, and John did that. There is some wisdom to that to me. Um, in the sense of, when you don't worry about having this rat race of, I have to make money so this can happen. Sure. And all that. I mean, we choose to get in that. And John the Baptist just said, that's stupid. Yeah. I'm going to go live in a um, cave somewhere, but guess what? I'm not going to have to worry about my robes are flowing or clean. or like We spend so much money just going out to restaurants. And John's like, hey. Take that chocolate-covered locust. locust. <laughs> and I think that helps me to maybe think about my own life, things like minimalism, yeah. giving away some of the things. you don't know, like, what are we driving and striving for? Um, and, and, of course, Jesus will address that and say, eh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I think that's something that John the Baptist it helps me think through. And so, but you know how weird it would be if really, like, your friends call up and be like, hey, we're going to go for drinks and karaoke. And you're be like, ah, I'm just going to stay here and chill tonight. You can only do that so much before people start thinking you're weird. True. Or, like, I'm not going to, you just, I don't have to buy a new phone every two years. Right. Or I don't have to have an Apple iPhone or the Samsung Galaxy. I right. can just have, like, you know, people will start looking at you weird. Yes. Shop at Goodwill as opposed yes. to. Yes. It's weird.
0: It is. When you start following and understanding that these things aren't the ultimate importance in your life, that just Jesus is the ultimate importance in your life. And when you, I love that verse, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. The point is, is that when you seek God first, everything else that you need in life is going to be taken care of but you need to seek God first. And when you do that, you recognize that the other things in society that said, you have to have this, or you have to wear this brand of clothing, or you have to drive this type of vehicle. You realize that that's not?
1: John says, no, you don't.
0: No, no. <laughs> you
1: can wear a leather belt. That's right. Well, I guess a leather belt Absolutely. would be kind of a good thing. I mean, that'd be. Well, no. at
0: least it would hold up your pants. This would be, um, this would be good.
1: <laughs> Right. And so then the other part is John the Baptist didn't just say, you be you, I'll be me, everybody's happy. Yeah. John decided that the zealousness of the Lord was something that he needed to make sure people understood. And I think the church on one side maybe messes out on that. Like, who are we to judge? Well, John's like, me? That's who? Yeah. Um, And so our confession of faith— I've read that one in our Confession of Faith where the church brings forth grace and judgment. In section 5.3, it says, in carrying out the apostolic commission, the covenant community has encountered and continues to encounter people who belong to religious or religions which do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. While respecting persons who adhere to other religions, Christians are responsible to share with them the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, probably if we were to update this language, um, it's just not people of other religions. It's just people, people, general, people. Just people. We're all respecting people. Yeah. Christians are responsible to share the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. And I love the activity that's closed here that you've put as a Sunday school class, commit to praying for the church and the people in it to take on the role of John the Baptist, pray for the community and seek ways to share the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Teachers, what an excellent opportunity for your class today to look at people maybe you have people in your in your families from your students that you would like to share the gospel message with or maybe you know there are people families around your church that haven't had the gospel shared with them this is a great time to commit to praying for and commit yourselves to sharing the gospel message with those who haven't heard it
1: yeah, and, and the Lord opens up plenty of opportunities for you to do it. Yeah. Just even if we're sensitive to it or not.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: All right, so may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, and we'll see you again next week.
0: Bye, everyone.